So we are in week three, the final week of a three-week teaching called Fully Present. And I'll, we'll get into that in just a second, but there's a lot coming for us as a church into the new year. So excited about where we're going. Um, starting off in January, we're going to be walking through a series uh, basically based on a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And so if you want to be ahead of the game, if you are kind of that, uh, that person that likes to get ahead on things, um, order that book. It's by a man named Pete Scazzaro. You can get online and on Amazon and get that book coming. And all of our life groups will be walking through this together. We'll be teaching through it, and it's going to get up in your business. Um, it's going to be really challenging in January, really good stuff. And so also Christmas Eve, we're doing five Christmas Eve services, which is exciting. Um, and, and I want to just thank all of you for stepping up. Um, we've been looking for people just to, to, to serve and step out and serve on Christmas Eve, and you guys have overfilled our opportunities there. And so we are completely covered. Thanks to you uh, for doing that. But um, Pastor Stewart has also been planning a, a fireworks show in Eagle River. If you haven't heard, um, there's, there's a fireworks show in Anchorage on New Year's Eve. There's one, I think, out in Wasilla. And uh, we just decided we wanted to put one on here in Eagle River. And, and so basically what we want to do is be a presence at this. Um, we're looking for people to, to help um, with parking and with handing out food and, and, and running fire pits. And so basically we want to represent really well um, at this event so that the community knows uh, that it's ACF Church that's being a blessing to them. Uh, we always, one of our visions as a church is that when people think of the church, they would think of a blessing. And so that's what we set out to do all throughout the year. And this is just one way we want to do this. We don't want people thinking, well, the city just had extra tax dollars this year and decided to throw a a fireworks show. We want people to know that it is uh, the people of Jesus who are being a blessing. And so um, I think Pastor Stewart told me he needs like 40 more volunteers. And so I'd love to just make that happen in this service. It's the last Sunday to go sign up for that. And so we'd love for you to be a part of that. So Grab a Bible. If you have one, if you don't, uh, you can download the ACF Church app and all of the scriptures will be on there. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 here uh, this morning. And this series, Fully Present, is really about the idea that um, Christmas comes and goes, December comes and goes, and and for many of us, it, it goes really fast. And for me, I know that a lot of times I'm not really present in the moment. And so this series is really about how to work through our disappointments to be fully here in the moment this December. And hopefully we develop some rhythms in life uh, through this series that uh, get us on into January, February, March, and, and really change the way that we look at the world. And, and really the theme has been the fact that we have all of these expectations and many of us um, have experienced unmet expectations in life that have led to disappointment. And then we said this the first week, these, these disappointments lead to disengagement. And maybe you've been there before where you've just stopped expecting anything out of life and you've settled for, well, you know what, I'm going to expect as little as possible so that if something good happens, I'm surprised, right? But for the most part, I'm going to expect nothing. And these unmet expectations lead to disappointment. Disappointment leads to disengagement. And then disengagement leads to more disappointment. And so we want to get out of this cycle to be fully present. And there's a passage in the book of Isaiah that we keep coming back to. Uh, God says this uh, to his people through Isaiah uh, chapter 43, verse 18. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. This is God saying, I'm not just the God of yesterday. 
I'm not, not just the God of tomorrow. I am the God of today, of right now. And I will work in ways that you might not even be ready for if you would be willing to see it. Do you perceive it? Do you notice that God is at work all around you? And he will work the way he chooses to work, not the way that you expect him to. And so where I want to go today, when I think about these deserts in our lives and and these, these disappointments around the Christmas season, I really think of broken relationships. And I want to just tell you and prepare you, this is probably the hardest message of the series so far. Uh, Maybe the most difficult one to deal with and maybe the most important for us to get our heads wrapped around is that God is a God of reconciliation. And that I believe he wants to restore relationships and broken relationships keep us from being fully present. You've been there before where you've got an issue with someone or they've got an issue with you and because of that there's this tension that, that distracts you from all that's going on around you. And so that's really what we're going to deal with today is what do we do with that tension? What do we do when we have broken relationships, especially in the Christmas season, which always highlights these broken relationships? So I'm going to ask you a hard question, and I just want you to kind of work through this in your heart. Here's the question. Do you spend more time building bridges or burning them? Do you spend more time building bridges or burning them? How can we be fully present in these relationships that God has given us when the bridge is burning, when the connection is coming apart, when the relationship has has tension? How do we be fully present in these relationships? Now, it, it may be your defense mechanism to say, well, I'm not a bridge burner, I'm a bridge builder. But I just want you to ask yourself these few questions. If, if your relational circle is slowly shrinking and you just think in general, you find yourself to be more isolated, fewer friends, fewer relationships. Uh, when you need a hand doing something in the yard or around the house and you want to call someone, the list is getting shorter, right? If that's you, you may be burning bridges in your life. Uh, if you can't go anywhere without seeing somebody that you have a problem with, you may be burning bridges, right? If every time you're at Fred Meyer, you're like, oh, there's that person. Every time you go to your job, you're like, oh, there's someone that drives me crazy. If everywhere you go, there's someone that annoys you or drives you crazy, um, you may be burning bridges in your life. If you've ever ended a conversation and thought to yourself, well, they're never going to talk to me again. You know, where you've said something, you've vented, you let it go, you finally let it out. You said how you felt and it, it felt so good and you realize, I think I just burnt this, this bridge. I think there's, there's no more chance for a relationship here. Maybe for you, if, if, if you think being right is more important than being friends, uh, you might be a bridge burner. If it's more important that you make your point than th- that you care for the relationship and keep a connection there, you might be a bridge burner. Uh, a bridge is simply a structure of connection. It's simply a way to connect A to B. And, and as people, we have bridges in relationships. And if you're a bridge builder, you're the kind of person that that is willing to find common ground, right? You might be on a different side than somebody else with with some kind of issue, but you're going to find what is it that we have in common. If you're a bridge builder, you're going to be somebody who is looking to have hard conversations. Even when you don't like that person or they don't like you, you're the one to say, hey, we need to sit down and talk. We need to find a way to repair what is broken. You're the kind of person that majors in forgiveness, where you know, like, I don't want to carry this issue around, and so I want to forgive and help you to forgive and to move on. And so where we're going to go this morning in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is dealing with this this religious crowd of people, uh, this crowd of people who really feels like they are righteous before God because of the way that they live their lives. 
And so Jesus wants to help them see the, the, the unmeetable standard that God sets. And, and these people, they lived by the letter of the law. I mean, really, if, if you looked in from the outside, you'd be like, those are pretty holy people. I mean, to the point that these religious people, they even tithed on the spices in their cabinets, right? I mean, that, that's next level, isn't it? I don't know how often you tithe on your Mrs. Dash in the cabinet. I love Mrs. Dash, by the way. That was like my favorite spice in college because you just had to buy one spice. It had everything. So I don't know if you've ever tithed on something like that, but they, they really felt like they were, they were accepted by God because of how they lived their lives. And Jesus is going to deal with their self-righteousness. He's going to deal with it and show them that you, would, you were never going to be made righteous in and of yourself. In fact, Romans 3.10 makes it so clear. It says, there are none that are righteous. No, not one. There are none that are righteous. So in this room, we all stand on the same level playing field. There's no one in this room that is righteous on their own. So it's a good place to start together. And what he's going to start off by dealing with is this idea of murder. This, this idea of murder. And so I'm going to actually read this passage. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 says this. He says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. So I think for most of us, we, um, even if you're not a church person, you would agree with this, right? I think in general, in our society, we're like, murder is bad. In fact, uh, in Anchorage, we just recently broke a record that we didn't want to break, which is the most homicides in one year. Have you guys seen this on the news? And so, like, clearly there's an issue with murder in our state. And I think even for the unchurched, you would say murder is a bad thing. And I think even for people that, that believe in God, murder is almost like a dividing line. Uh, maybe you've said something like this before where you're like, you know what, I'm not the best person in the world, but at least I'm not a murderer. You know, like, uh, you get that? People kind of use that as like, well, the, the dividing line between good and bad is have you killed anybody? You know, you can do anything else you want to do, but as long as you haven't been a murderer, right? Then, then, and then this is what people tend to think. And so for these religious people, they're like, hey, we're good. We haven't killed anybody. You know, we're not murderers. And so we must be okay before God. And, and so Jesus is going to deal with their hearts and show them that they have this, this standard This bar that they've actually set way too low. And it's kind of like I've heard people say, you know, I live by the Ten Commandments because this is one of the commandments. You should not murder, right? So some people say, well, you know what? I I, I just have to follow the Ten Commandments and so I live my life by that, which I'm always like, have you read the one that says have no other gods before me? Because we've all failed at that one. We can't even live by the Ten Commandments. So he continues on and is going to deal with the root of murder, which is anger in verse 22 but i say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment so so first the people are like oh yeah if you murder you are liable to judgment we would we would agree we would say if you murder you're going to be at the mercy of the courts and ultimately at the mercy of god right so we we agree with that but jesus says if you have anger in your heart if you have anger towards your brother or your sister you will be liable to judgment. Now, before we get too much into anger, I want to I want to acknowledge that all anger is not sin. In fact, as we look at God, do you know that God has anger? He has anger. So we read in Psalm seven eleven, it says, "God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day." So God every day feels anger. Jesus, we read in Mark chapter three verse five, it says, "And he looked around at them with anger, grieved." 
at their hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched out and it was restored. So what you need to understand about God's anger is that God's anger is always motivated by love. In fact, we've said this as a, as a church, I think that Christians should be more angry to some degree. And what I mean by that is that we should have godly anger against things that are not okay. What you see is that God's anger is motivated by love. Just like as a parent, if you're a parent and your child is doing something that's hurting them or hurting others, you might have anger in your heart, right? And it's anger that's motivated by love. I love you so much, I can't stand to see you hurting yourself. Or maybe you've got a friend that has an addiction or something and they just keep running back to this addiction and this problem and you keep telling them, get some help, get checked into a facility, deal with this, you need to get help. And they're like, no, I, I think I'm fine, I don't think it's a problem. And you get anger in your heart because you're like, I don't want to see you destroy your life. You see, that's godly anger, motivated by love. But let's be honest, most of our anger is not motivated by love, it's motivated by pride. If I look at my life, that is the anger that I have in my life. It's, it's not because I just love people so much that I'm angry. Most of the time, I just think you're stupid, right? And so I'm just angry with you for being this person that's an inconvenience to me or cutting me off in traffic or, you know, whatever it is, you're not meeting my expectations out of life. And so I'm angry with you. That's not love. That's not godly anger or something that we've called uh, righteous indignation a righteous anger because we want somebody to experience all that God has for them. It's just pride. I think if we acknowledge it, that righteous anger probably doesn't actually even look like anger by our standard. In fact, people who have righteous anger aren't the kind of people who get called people with an anger problem, right? Like if you have righteous anger for things that are going on in the world, people aren't like, man, you need to get that checked out. Like you've got a problem. You're just so angry about all the homeless people in Anchorage and you're just so angry about, you know, the sex trafficking issue in Anchorage. Like you're so angry about people who are going without food globally. Like, man, you've got an anger problem. Nobody says that because it's a different kind of anger. We have anger that's, that's about us. It's about our pride. You've offended me. You've made me feel less than I think I should feel like. And so because of that, I'm angry with you. So back to Matthew, he says this. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So what he's talking about is is how our lips have power, don't they? Like our words have power. And he's speaking about somebody who attacks someone else's character in their heart. Like when you call somebody a fool, you're, calling, you're, you're telling them that, that they are of, of no value. You're telling them that they are, they are, it'd be like saying you're stupid, right? And so when you start attacking people on a personal level, he's saying you yourself will be liable to judgment. And he uses this word to the hell of fire, which is so interesting. The same language is used by uh, James when he talks about the tongue and how the tongue is this, this power, powerful member of our bodies able to, to light um, large mountains on fire. And so that's like the power of our tongues. And, and I think we understand this because we've all said things we wish we could take back, right? I mean, you can think of something maybe you've said to somebody over the years that, man, if you could go back in time and take that back, you really would. And we know that the deepest scars even in our own lives are often not left by actions, but by words, right? So there's power in the tongue, power in what we say. And Jesus is saying, hey, it's you that will be held to judgment when you allow yourself to speak whatever it is that you need to speak. Now, some people in this room are like, so what am I supposed to do? Like be a doormat? And just let it go and not say anything? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 says, therefore, 
having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. In other words, you you should speak the truth. In fact, some of you need to speak up, right? You need to speak up about your anger. You need to let it out, not in a way that's sinful, as he says, but in a way that actually can lead to reconciliation. I mean, some people are left in their anger because they just don't talk about it. They don't deal with anger. And so for you, you are left in this situation where you can't be present this Christmas because you have anger in your heart towards somebody. Can we, can we just like start off and be honest here in this room? Who here wants to just be truthful and admit that you have a problem with at least one person in your life? Okay, so 95% of you are honest. Good. That's, that's pretty good odds. So I want you to just think, did you look, that, look around and see that? Did you see how many hands are in the air? Now, just think about the tension. If we were to pile all of those situations in, in the middle of this room and everybody were to come up and say, this is why I have a problem with somebody. This is why there's, a, there's an issue here. Think about what that keeps us from doing. Think about how that immobilizes us as a community from being all that God wants us to be because we have these issues with people in our lives. So if you're here today and you're like, man, I, I am angry, you need to know you are not alone. You are not, and in fact, this week, I was like, man, this is a hard one to preach, and I knew I was going to be speaking, so I started making phone calls, like hard phone calls, because, man, that's one of the hardest things about preaching is you've got to like, try to live this stuff out, which I don't do perfectly, just in case you're wondering. But this week, I was making phone calls trying to go, okay, what is, where do I have issues with people? How do I deal with anger so I don't have to carry this stuff around and be less of a hypocrite when I preach? So he goes on, he's like, he says this, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Just one, I remember when I got married, we used to talk about that a lot. Like, all right, honey, <laughs> we're going to make this commitment. We're never, never going to let the sun go down on our anger, which in Alaska means you have three hours to deal <laughs> with your anger. And it's not enough, right? Some of you are like, that's just not possible. In fact, let me, let me just be honest. There are times where you need to let the sun go down. You need to let the sun go down a couple times, Right? Um, on your anger. And what he's not speaking about here is like a literal sun up, sun down. What he's saying is don't let it fester. Don't let it, don't let it just sit there, you know? Have you ever left leftovers out on the counter overnight? Do they get better by morning? No, they get nasty, right? It just, they just, it just gets bad. And so that's kind of what our anger is. It's like we think, oh, if I just give it time, it'll, it'll get better. And it never gets better with time. It always gets worse. It just, it just festers in our souls. It affects us and them, and we give no room for reconciliation. He says, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down. Unchecked anger is like giving a hand to the devil. Unchecked anger is like giving a hand to the devil. I was thinking about this this week that when you think about giving a hand to the devil or inviting the devil into your life or, or giving the devil authority in your life, what do you think of? I mean, you might think of like playing with an Ouija board or something like that or conjuring up some kind of spirit or, you know, watching some horror movie or something like that. You know, you don't have to do that to invite the, the authority of the devil into your life. You just have to hold on to anger in your heart. It's not maybe what you think it is. It's simply allowing there to be unchecked anger in your heart. And and that's all it takes to give a hand to the devil in your life. Now, maybe you're like, I don't know if I'm that person. I don't know if I'm 
allowing there to be unchecked anger, just ask yourself, do you see these things in your life? Explosions of rage. Are you the kind of person that everybody thinks you're fine, the family thinks you're fine, you're going through your evening, and something sets you off, and you just go off the rails, and you say things that you shouldn't say, and, and you act in ways that you're not proud of, right? If that's, if that's what you do, you just need to, need to consider that there might be unchecked anger in your life. It may be at yourself, it may be at God, it may be at somebody else, but there might be unchecked anger in your life. Maybe you withdraw. I know, I know a lot of people don't deal with fits of rage, they deal with withdraw. I have unchecked anger in my life, and so all of a sudden, I'm not getting their text messages, right? Because you, you put a block on all their texts, and you remove the little red receipt on your text messages so they don't know whether you got the text or not, right? You got, you got all the texts. You got all the phone calls. You're just withdrawing from the relationship because you're angry. You're an avoider. You shut down with anger. Some people go into all-out pouting and complaining, you know? It's not like any one big fit of rage. They just live a life of negativity. They're just angry at the lot that they've been given in their life. They're angry at other people. Everybody drives them crazy. So because of that, they just kind of pout and complain about the whole world. Maybe you have an inability to celebrate somebody else's success. And so, so that's because you have anger with that person when they get the raise, when they get married and you want to be married, you know, when they get the, the favor of the boss or whatever, and you see that happening, you can't celebrate with them because you have anger towards them. Or maybe it's passive-aggressive attacks on their character. Some of us, we don't talk to the person when we're angry. We just talk about them right? And so everybody at work knows that you like have an issue with Susan. And so there's like 10 of them that you talk to and and she's the only one that you don't talk to because you're angry with her, but you won't actually speak to her about your anger. And I wrote this last one down that I think is interesting that I see a lot is is a, a resistance to assist. Like maybe you've been a really helpful person in somebody's life. You're the kind of person that, you know, is willing typically to to lean in and and meet a need and help somebody out. And because you're angry, you resist the assistance. When they call you, you're like, you're all of a sudden really busy. And all of a sudden, you don't have the resources or the time or the energy to give them a hand. It's just, man, you know, there's a lot going on in my life right now. Really, there's anger in your heart. There's something you haven't dealt with. And so because of that, you're just going, "Ah, I don't think I can help you at this point. Let's move on. Verse 23 says, So, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. So he first says, don't murder. And we're all like, got it. Going to try not to do that one. Then he says, if you have murder in your heart, if you have anger in your heart, it's like having murder in your heart. It's, it's almost as if you're committing little acts of murder throughout your life every time you allow there to be anger within your heart. He says, don't do that. And we're like, okay, got it. Then he even goes farther than that, and he says, now, do you know somebody else with anger in their heart? Because the people of God are always looking for restoration, and so when we know somebody else has anger in their heart towards us, we go and seek them out and try to find a way to repair it. But it's interesting... He says, if you have someone who has an issue with you and you come to the altar, you come to give your gift of, of grace to God, whatever it may be, and you realize there's an issue with somebody else, instead of doing this sacrifice, I want you to go and fix the problem first. And you can write this down if you have a pen. Resentment towards people brings division between us and God. 
Resentment toward people brings division between us and God. Now, some of you are like, I don't, I don't know how that works. Well, what you need to start off with is this reality that all human beings bear the image of God. Do you know that? Like that person that you're angry with bears the image of God, was created in his image, and, and is deeply loved by the Father. And so I had this image in my mind of, of the way that I speak to people. And the way that I express my anger sometimes, and, and even like, like with my wife, I think of how do I speak to my wife? And the question I had in my mind is, is if her father was watching, would I speak to her the same way? Maybe not, right? right? You, you might go, ah, no, there's a time and a place to say your mind, but it's not when daddy's watching, right? You draw some boundaries there. You see, it's the same way when God is our loving Father, sees the people in your life, and as broken as they are, and as terrible as something, as what they did may, might be, God still cares for humanity, still cares for them, and they still bear the image of God. So I just want you to ask the, the question, would you speak to that person, act that way to that person with the Father watching? You see, when you do that, do you realize that brings division between not just you and that person, but also you and God? right? It'd be kind of like if, if my wife was next to me and you just came up and started railing on her, would we not have a problem? The answer is yes, in case you're wondering. Yes, you would have a problem with me and my wife, right? Because you just spoke this way or acted this way towards my wife. It would create division between myself and you as well as her and you. It's the same way. When you let your unchecked anger flow out of your life in a way that destroys somebody else, you actually bring division not just between you and them, but you and the Father that loves them and loves you. And so we need to, to be careful of this, and, and, and Jesus is like, you know what? You need, to, you need to go deal with that first. Like, you need to go, sure, yep, if you're a believer in Jesus, and you're coming to the altar, God has covered your sin, and you need to know that, but, but before you come to the altar, go and deal with that person, and I want you to think about their context. Think about this. When they heard this, this idea that you might be coming to the, to the temple, and bringing your gift to the altar to sacrifice to God. Do you realize some of those people may have traveled for days? They may have traveled for weeks. They may have spent all kinds of money to get there. And before they give their gift to the altar, Jesus says, I want you to turn around and go back home. Now, we don't get this because when we think about restoring or fixing a relationship, we can just like send a text, right? I'll just type it out with my thumbs, make everything better, send an email, make a phone call. For them, it'd be like, oh, you mean I, I need to get back on the road and maybe travel for weeks and spend all this money to go reconcile this relationship before I bring God a gift at the altar? Do you see, do you see the urgency in Jesus' voice here? It's like, I don't know what it's going to cost you to fix this problem. I don't know what it's going to take for you to make this right with another person, but pay it and do it because it's going to be better that way. Like, you might need to go book a plane ticket today. There might be something that is so broken in your life that you're like, you know what, a phone call is not going to fit. I need to be face-to-face with this human being. I'm going to go spend $600, you know, with Alaska Air to go get to the lower 48, to go get face-to-face with this person because I have wounded them in a way that I need to repair. Now, for most people, it's like, well, that's not practical. That's not practical. Living like Jesus is almost never practical, just so you know. It's just almost never practical, never makes sense by our standards, but it's always better. It's always better. So Jesus says, go make it right with that person. Now, here's something that 
I've missed when I've read this passage before, and, and this struck me so hard this week, is that when he says this, he says, he says, if you're coming to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, so who's got the problem in this situation? Your brother. Like, he's not even talking about if you have a problem with somebody else. He's saying if you are coming to the altar and you know that somebody has an issue with you, you need to go deal with that. So he starts off by saying, don't murder. Okay, got it. Then he says, don't have anger in your heart. It's like murder in your heart. We're like, okay, got that. And then he says, don't allow other people to have anger in their hearts because that's, that's not good for them. That's not loving them well. And he says, you do whatever it takes to try to help them to live at peace with you. And that's what we do. We go as far as we can. Now, this hits us wrong, doesn't it? Like some of you are offended by this already because you're like, that, eh, no, nope, not responsible, right? Not responsible. That's their job. Because we Americans, we're responsible for ourselves, right? My side of the fence. I mow up to the, I mow up to the property line, right? And that's where I stop. Because that's my yard. And that's what I'm responsible for. I never go beyond it, right? We think in terms of that for everything. In our relationships, they said the wrong thing. They did the wrong thing. They're thinking about it wrong, so they have anger in their heart. Well, guess whose problem that is? It's their problem. And yet Jesus says, that's not love. That's not loving people. Loving people is to lean in and say, you know what, it might be their fault, but I know that this is like acid in their soul and I don't want that for them. And um, I'm gonna forgive them for even having anger with me that might not even be rightfully so. And I'm gonna lean in and I'm gonna try to make it better. Now for me, when I read this, all of my codependent bells and whistles start going off. Um, If any of you are like me, I don't struggle to know when somebody has a problem with me. Uh, I'm, I got really good radar for that. I can tell when, like, all of a sudden, like, you're not returning my calls. I'm the kind of person when I text you, like, 10 seconds later, I'm like, they haven't texted back. <laughs> what's wrong? What did I say to them? What did I do? You know, like, I start thinking, you know, what's, what's my problem here? Here's what he's not saying. He, he's not saying that you can't draw healthy boundaries in your life. In fact, I, I empower you to do that. And in fact, I've realized in my life, at any given moment, there is a group of people that probably want nothing to do with me. And I've kind of (laughs) just, and you too, by the way, just let me burst your bubble here this morning. At any given moment, every single one of you, there is somebody who has a problem with you, right? They They might be sitting next to you right now, but somebody has a problem with you at any given moment. So just, just know that's gonna be the case. But at the same time, when we recognize that that's going on, should we not do whatever it takes, whatever is within our power to go and try to make that right? To make sure that instead of burning bridges, we are building them, even with people that we might not want anything to do with right now. And I know that's hard and that's, it's really difficult for me because I tend to, to then be at their mercy. And, and I want you to know that there does come a point where if you chase somebody down and you've done everything within your power to make it right and they do not reciprocate, that you, you have to let them You have to let them go. You have to leave them to their own devices. There does come that point, but I would say that for most of us, it's probably a lot farther down the road than we've been willing to go. And so what if we as a church just made that commitment that before Christmas this year, we were going to go and try to make things right between us and others? And what if that changed your relationship with God? What if your relationship with God is being damaged by the way that you're relating to others? In fact, we read David talks about in the Psalms about his relationship and his communication with God. In Psalm 66, he says, Come and hear, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, if I kept sin within my heart, 
the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened and has attended the voice of my Father. Do you see that the anger that you keep in your heart, you don't just sin against another person, you actually sin against God when you do that. And we'd like to make it, ah, it's not just about me and this person. No, it's it's actually about you and the Father as well. And David says, if I kept this sin in my heart, God would not have listened to my prayers. It's actually affecting your prayer life to keep anger within your heart. So back to the book of Matthew. He says, when you come to the altar, first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. It's almost like before you bring something to God to show your gratitude for the great grace that God gives you, you need to go express that grace towards someone else. Because you can write this down. I'm forgiven always leads to I'm sorry. The realization of what God has done for us always leads to us being the first to say I'm sorry. And can I just be honest? I know there's probably people in this room that it's been years since you've actually just said I'm sorry. Now, now maybe you've, you've, you've said I'm sorry, but here's the circumstances and here's what's going on and I, I've just got kind of an anger problem. I've got this thing going on. And maybe you've, you've said that before, but when is the last time you just said I'm, I'm sorry? I believe that the church, God's people, should be the first to say I'm sorry because God was first to say I forgive you. And his forgiveness causes us then to forgive others. Um, Do you realize that Christians aren't necessarily known for being the first to say I'm sorry? Do you know that Christians aren't necessarily known for being people who are really good at communicating with those who disagree with us, who are on the other side of of the fence than us? I, I, think, I think we can change people's perspectives on this. I, I think, and I, in fact, I think we have to. We have to. For the sake of the mission that God has given us as a church, we need to lead the way in saying, I'm sorry. It's why we talk a lot about reaching the, the churched and the unchurched and the dechurched. Some of you are here today, and you got problems with Christians. you got problems with the church. And I just want to tell you, I'm sorry for the times that Christians, including myself, have not looked much like Jesus. In, in whatever way it was in your life. And, and I want to own that, and I think that we should own that, and I think that would create reconciliation that would show people how good of a God it is that we worship. See, if you're here today and you're like, man, I don't know that I need to build any bridges in my life. I don't know that I, I, I see anybody I need to build a bridge with. What if the reason you don't see a need to build bridges is because everybody that you've allowed into your life is on your side of the divide? You see, there's a tendency just to surround ourselves with people who have the same political views, the same religious views. We we all see things the same, and so guess what? There's no tension. It's great. Instead, what God calls us to do is to go find people who are completely different than us, who think differently than us, who see things differently than us, and reach out to them and invite them in to a relationship with us, despite the differences. This is modeled perfectly in the life of Christ. As Jesus, God himself, holy, perfect, set apart, reaches down into the sin of humanity and says, I want a relationship with you. That's what he did for you and I. And so what Jesus is getting at here with these religious people is he's like, you don't get how high the bar is. You think if you just avoid murder, you're fine. No, if you've ever had anger in your heart, you are liable to judgment. I just want to tell you that today. If you're here today and you think, man, I think God will accept me into heaven because I'm a decent human being. Because, well, I haven't murdered anybody. I just want to tell you there's bad news. And the bad news is that, that none of us can, can reach the standard that God has set before us, not one of us. It is only by grace that we're saved through faith in Jesus. 
And so for, for you, maybe it's a big shift. Maybe it's just a little shift for you just to say, you know what? I've been saved by Christ through a lot. And so I'm going to start offering that to other people. I'm going to start reaching out to people who don't see things the way that I see them. I'm going to start loving the, the skeptics and the people that, that, that have a, a disagreement with me at work. And I'm going to start leaning into those relationships because God leaned into my life. So what are you divided by? What is it that's causing division? Just ask yourself these questions. This is just a simple, simple way to, to get some perspective. First, is what you're dealing with of eternal significance? I want you to just think about it. If it's with your wife, if it's with your husband, with a friend of yours, with a parent, is the thing that's drawing division between you and them of eternal significance, will we be talking about this with God in heaven? Is it going to matter then? It's a great way to get some perspective. How about, is it of, of biblical importance? Is the thing that's dividing you between you and somebody else, is it something that you can open up the Bible and say, here's where this says that this is an issue. We need to deal with this problem. Is it actually a, a biblical issue? Or is it just a preference? Or is it something that they said? Uh, last question, is it, is it a space for tolerance? Or you just need to understand that they're, they're going to say things that are ridiculous sometimes. You realize that you will not change people, right? You realize that only God can change people. And he may or may not use you to do that. And so there comes a point where you just say, you know what? You're a human being and so am I. And, and we're both going to say stupid things sometimes. And there comes a point where you just acknowledge that. And not that you allow things or give permission to things, but that you accept certain things. Once again, draw boundaries where you are called to draw boundaries. There's a place for that. And, and to forgive, once again, is not to give permission. It's not to give acceptance. It's not to give approval of what they've done. That's not what forgiveness is. It's simply to say, God has forgiven me so much that I'm going to forgive you. I am not willing to carry this weight around in my life, and I will be like Christ, and I will be aggressive in reconciliation. See, I think the church could lean in a little harder. I think we could be the kind of people that we don't just let stuff sit and give other people the, the, the time to, to figure it out. We go like, I want to I fix this. I want to lean in and make this right. And I want to do whatever I can to try to heal this broken relationship. So far as it depends on you, that we would live at peace with all people, that we would build bridges, because bridges are opportunities for us to share the gospel with people. So here's what I want to tell you. We're going to pray in a second. Um, the band's going to get up and, and they're going to sing. I want to, this might be a little strange, but I just want to give you permission, if, if you need permission, um, to, to leave if you need to. Um, if you need to just go make a phone call and go sit in your car in the parking lot and, and do that, I would encourage you to do that. If you need to go send a text and encourage you to have a conversation at some point, go do that. If you need to go book a plane ticket, I'm serious. If you need to go book a plane ticket to restore something that's broken in a relationship so that you can heal what's been broken, then go book a, book a plane ticket. Do whatever it takes. Clearly, Jesus says, before you come to the altar, I want you to do this. I want you to make it right. So if you leave, you know, do whatever you need to do. Nobody's going to judge you. But I just want you to tell you, tell you that, that this is of utmost importance. This is of utmost importance. God wants us to be made right with others, to show the beautiful reconciliation that we've had with Christ Jesus to the world. Let's pray. God, I, I just want to confess that I've had anger in my heart and 
It's not godly anger. It's not good anger. It's just prideful, selfish anger. And Father, I just acknowledge that, um, God, that I need your grace and I need enough of it that I can give it to others. I want to pray for the people in this room that have been carrying around anger in their lives for years. I want to pray for the person here today who has not gone the extra mile to try to repair what is broken, has maybe left the responsibility in someone else's court, and maybe today is the day that they say, you know, I'm going to make this right. So far as it depends on me, I'm going to make this right. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Jesus, we are recipients of that kind of grace, that kind of aggressive reconciliation. God, thank you so much that you didn't just stand at a distance and wait for us to come to you. We acknowledge that our salvation isn't because we found you, we tracked you down, we figured you out, or we did the right thing. God, the grace that we have, or the salvation that we have in Jesus is because you found us. You tracked us down. You reached out to us and became one of us took our sin upon yourself, paid our price so that we could be reconciled. May we be the kind of people that do the same for others. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. I invite you, if you're a believer in Christ, you can come down anytime during the worship set and partake in communion. We do believe that communion is for for believers, for those who profess faith in Christ, who call him Lord. So if that's you, you're welcome to come forward any time and and partake in that. Um, But additionally, if you're you're feeling a conviction to go reconcile with somebody, um, but you're not sure where to start, you know, a great first step might just be head back here to the Connect Room and talk and pray with some people that can help figure that out for you. Um, Or anything else that's going on in your life that you need prayer for, I'd encourage you just to go talk to those guys that are right over here and they're here for you this morning. Uh, if you guys would, let's stand up together and we're going to sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing.
Good morning, ACF Church. My name is Jeremy. I'm one of your elders here. It's that time of the service where we get to give to God our giving of our tithes and offerings. Multiple ways you can do that today. There's three black boxes in the back. You can drop them in on the way out. You can give into the baskets. They'll be passing around in just a moment. Or you can text the number on the screen or go online at acfak.org. Thanks. Church. My name is Alex and this is what's happening. Christmas in Eagle River at ACF Church is coming up on December 23rd and 24th. We will have a free photo opportunity with a live reindeer and other surprises you don't want to miss. Also, this holiday season we will be celebrating New Year's Eve with a community-wide fireworks show at Lions Park. Be sure to stop by the lobby after service to pick up your tickets for one of our five services and to sign up to be involved with the fireworks show. For more information about these events, visit the website christmasineagleriver.com. To find out about everything else happening here at ACF, fill out a communication card and sign up for our weekly What's Happening email. And to find out how you can take your next step, visit the Engage table in the lobby. Thank you so much for worshiping with us. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. I'm Stuart, one of the pastors here at ACF Church. And you know, it's amazing, the forgiveness that we have received from God. You know, none of us, Pastor Brian reminded us, none of us deserve it. Um, and maybe we think the people around us don't deserve our forgiveness either. But because we have received that forgiveness through Jesus Christ, we can extend that freely to other people. And especially around this holiday season, let's do that. Maybe today you walked in and maybe for the first time you said yes to Jesus and you understood that forgiveness for the first time. And if that's you, we'd love to know about that so that we can celebrate that decision along with you. We can pray for you as a staff, and then we can get some information into your hands to help you take your next step. And you can do that by filling out the communication card that you'll find in the seat in front of you. Right on the bottom of it, first step, as in I took my first step towards Jesus this morning. And you can drop that in any one of the black boxes in the back as you leave, hand it to anybody wearing a lanyard today, and they'd be happy to take that from you. Um, there's a lot of confusion maybe around the holiday and the schedule. So we made a, a calendar to help sort this thing out. So the next two Wednesdays, this Wednesday and the following Wednesday, no service. Don't come. If you're going to switch it up and you're thinking about maybe coming on a Wednesday, don't do it until the new year. Um, the 3rd of January, 2018, that's the next Wednesday night service that we've got going on. So next Saturday coming up, the 23rd, we have a Christmas Eve service. And many of you have gotten tickets for that. We have the 24th, we have four services going on there. So we ask that you uh, go get tickets for that. We're not selling them. They're free. Um, we're not going to charge you to come here about Jesus and, and uh, hang out with each other. But we, we just helps us to be able to know who's coming. So if you go out of the lobby through the doors here, you'll see the table on your left, and you can grab tickets if you haven't already. You can also invite friends using that as well. Uh, as you saw, we have on the 31st, we have church, so a couple of weeks from now we will have uh, church services that morning. That evening we do our fireworks show, and this is a chance for ACF really to let our community know here in Eagle River that we love them a lot. Uh, we have about 40 spots, as Pastor Brian said, still available. 
Uh, it takes behind the scenes people doing things at the event. And this year I think it's gonna be a lot of fun doing this event, so I encourage you if you've been putting off signing up, or maybe you haven't thought about it until just now, uh, as you leave, come visit me at the table uh, for the fireworks. I'd love to, to help sign you up for that and uh, so you can help us love Eagle River deeply this, this season. Um, and then office, the first office is closed, and then again, the third, we start a new series, All the Feels, and we'll be going through the book, uh, Healthy, Emotional, Healthy Emotional Spirituality. Um, and you can get a copy of that online. Amazon sells it. You can buy it from the publisher. We have some copies available at the engaged uh, desk in the lobby as well. If you're in a life group and you guys signed up to get some, we have your books in, so you can come get those uh, anytime you'd like. Would you go ahead and stand as we end our service in prayer? Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for the forgiveness that you have extended to us, Lord, when we didn't deserve it, and none of us do. You extended love, and you extended grace, and you sought us out. And Lord, as we're reminded today, we should re reflect that perfectly to those around us, Lord, that we should not wait for others to, to ask for forgiveness or to seek a rest restoration in our relationships, Lord, but we should be the ones to initiate that. We should be known as a people that make the effort, extra effort uh, to reconcile uh, any damaged relationships or any anger uh, that people might have with us. Lord, help us to be those people because you were that to us. Lord, thank you for that freedom that we have to live uh, in that. We love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have a great day, you guys.